You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. Today my guest is Madame Pamita. Her new book is called Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch of the Woods. And I want to let you know to mark your calendars for November 16th at 6 p.m., because I'm teaching a free creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library at the Los Feliz branch on Hillhurst and Franklin. Hey, Tony, how do I register for that? You don't. You just show up. 6 p.m. Wednesday, November 16th at the Los Feliz branch library. And now, Pamita and I discuss Ukrainian magic, commuting with spirits, how to avoid evil spirits, Catholicism and St. Bridget, how fairy tales connect to paganism, and so much more. Hi, I'm Madame Pamita, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. Baba Yaga, is that right? Mm -hmm. All right. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Madame Pamita. She's the author of Baba Yoga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch of the Woods. Pamita, how are you? And you said it perfectly before we recorded, and then you said yoga just now. Did I do it wrong? So <laughs> it's yaga, but I said yoga. Yaga. You said yoga. <laughs> yeah, and I can't I can't redo it because we're because now we're taping live, and I know I'll just do it wrong again. So baby Yaga, Baba Yaga. <laughs> See, I still get it wrong. Now you got it. The last time you got it, Baba Yaga. Baba yeah. Yaga. <laughs> now it is is um. Let's let's start with who is Baba Yaga? Okay, so um, well, I am half Ukrainian. My mom's side of the family is Ukrainian. What's and the so, other half? Oh, um, like been in America since sixteen hundreds. Um, English, Irish, okay, okay, um, Scots. You You're know, a mutt. You're a mutt yeah, like the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So that's my dad's side, but um, uh, but my mom's side, they immigrated. They immigrated under conditions that are a lot like what's going on right now in Ukraine, where um, Russia was coming in, conscripting my great uncle to try and get him in the Russian army. And he's like, uh, hell no. And he and my grandmother escaped and came to Philly and, um, she got married over here to, I guess, I think he was living in the same town, possibly village. Um, but then moved to Philly and that's how they got married. My, my, mother and my uncle and my aunts were all born in Philadelphia and then are you from um, Philadelphia too no no oh, okay. but I but I was really rooting for the Phillies in the World Series because I were my mom's team <laughs> well because I'm from San Francisco so I'm rooting for the Giants all the way but I was rooting for the Phillies for two reasons one because they're National League like that doesn't mean anything anymore now that the rules have changed yeah and two and two it's against the Astros of course cheating bastards of course those jerks Perks, man. <laughs> well, I'd say there was one good thing that came out of um, the Astros winning, which was Ted Cruz went in the parade for them and everybody booed him. So, so oh, wow. That wow. was worth it. <laughs> yeah. And then the Altuve, I just, I just remember with the scandal, he didn't want anyone to rip his shirt. He was so concerned about that. And he's like, no, no, I have a bad tattoo. And I'm like, you better be showing that on social media like now. And just like, I think he went and got a bad tattoo like six months later. <laughs> He's like, can you smudge it up? <laughs> and can you, and can you get that? Can you get that microphone uh, exactly. <laughs> burn off of me? <laughs> exactly. So, um, so growing up being half Ukrainian, um, Baba Yaga was a character that I was super familiar with. She, she's a witch that shows up in Slavic lore and um, legends and fairy tales. Um, I say to people that are American people who really don't have any connection to Eastern Europe, I say she's probably the closest thing that you would think of when you think of Baba Yaga is the witch in Hansel and Gretel. She's a similar to that witch in Hansel and Gretel that she's sometimes in some stories she shows up as like this mean witch who's going to throw you in the oven if you don't escape and then other times she shows up in older stories she shows up as um like maybe an ambiguous character that if you're nice to her she'll do you a favor if you're not nice to her she punishes you 
Um, she also shows up sometimes as just a donor character. So she always is this, like this repeating character that shows up many, many, many times in many different stories. Um, she's kind of the character actor that gets all the work in a lot of um, Slavic fairy tales. So sometimes she's misnamed as a Russian witch, but that is because um, she was first written down by a Russian author who was who saw what the Brothers Grimm were doing in copying down German folk tales that were in the oral tradition and having great success with it. So Alexander Afanasyev, um, he did the same thing for Russian fairy tales. So because he was the first sort of modern person that wrote her down uh, or recorded her stories, sometimes people say she's a Russian witch, but she, yes, she is part of Russian legend, but she's also in Polish stories, in Ukrainian stories, in Czech stories, in uh, Sla uh, Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, Bosnia, and, and Croatia, and Serbia, and all those places. So what, you, what year was what year was it? Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what year was it that that um, that she was starting to get written down? In the 18 mid 1800s, oh, okay. um, 1850. So sometimes no. he was a contemporary of the Grimm brothers. So mid 1800s. So um, so she shows up as a sort of she's a character that pops into lots of stories. So she herself, even though there's no uh, traditional story where she's the star of the show, she will play the donor or the antagonist or some role. Uh, what I, you know, in my research and uh, researching about her, I really am following this thread that the older stories that are more a reflection of her true nature of going back, her being a spirit, like a goddess, but really before there were even gods and goddesses, a spirit that's thousands of years old or began, the stories began thousands of years ago, that she was this forest caretaker because she lives out in the forest by herself. She lives in a house that instead of a candy house like Hansel and Gretel, she lives on a house that stands on chicken legs. It's an, a sentient house that stands on chicken legs. And um, she flies around in a mortar and pestle and um, she pushed the mortar and she pushes herself along with the pestle. So she, she's this older spirit that the continuity of this uh, spirit and this old pagan tradition was kept alive in these fairy tales. Because when you're in, um, uh, let's say in a place where you have a religion that is telling you that's the old thing and you can't believe that anymore, that's bad, that's evil. You have to believe our new religion of Christianity. Um, oh, well, I'm just telling a fairy tale, right? This is just a fairy tale. So she then became, because many in, in Catholicism in particular, many old goddesses and gods and spirits and, and these uh, older pagan spirits and deities would um, get either subsumed into the Christian pantheon by being a saint. Classic example of that is St. Bridget in Ireland was Bridget the goddess. But when Christianity came in, they said, oh, we're going to make her St. Bridget. So you can still go to the wells. You can still do your, you know, honoring to her and connecting with her, but we're going to call her a saint. Well, a witch who's a powerful old crone who is um, ambiguous is never going to be a saint. So she was demonized and, and called this evil, you know, evil thing. And that's why these later stories have post, let's say post-Christianity stories have her as an evil witch who's an ogre. So interesting. She is. Yeah. yeah. So the, so things that are like fables were actually um, had to be told in kind of a fairy tale fictional way. So they wouldn't have like this, um, this uh, the church coming after them kind of thing. Yeah. So if you have, I mean, if you think about in general, all over the world, it wasn't really until the night, late 19th and then the 20th century that we had universal literacy or virtually universal literacy, at least in, I would say, the Western world. We Isn't have... it interesting how new it is? Like, yeah. it still blows my mind, just the printing press. It's it's still like, it's still kind of new in the big spectrum of things. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandparents were illiterate. They didn't know how they were farm. They were farm people. They didn't uh -huh. know how to read and write. They signed their documents with an X like you see in cartoons, old cartoons. So and that, and that doesn't mean that they weren't smart as hell. It's just they probably they probably had a way of like communicating that's 
you know, that's different than ours. We can't set ourselves in that time and just sit there and listen to them. But, you know, man, it just, it just, oh, it always blows my mind that, you know, the assumption that if someone was illiterate 200 years ago that, oh, what a shame, but maybe they communicated in such an effective way, like through oral storytelling, that yeah. they would blow away whatever we're trying to write these days, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, there's a parallel in music too, because I'm very into old traditional folk music too, like weird old folk music, Americana folk music, old blues from the twenties and thirties and old jazz and old um, country music and folk music. And when you hear those songs, uh, an equivalent of like the Grimm brothers and Afanasyev was the Carter family. So AP Carter went around collecting folk songs and then recording them and recording a song. All of a sudden it becomes like a insect trapped in amber, a recording codify something so that you it no longer has this kind of life and evolution that a folk song if I teach you a folk song and I just teach it to you and you learn it by ear and you learn the verses when you go and sing that song later you're you're gonna mess up the verses you're gonna mess up the lyrics you're gonna change the lyrics you're gonna make the lyrics yours you know and at that time this wasn't seen as bad wrong or you're you're screwing up the song it was the natural evolution of the song same thing with oral storytelling if you're telling a story if i tell you the story you're going to put your own details into that story or you're going to not remember something that i said and so there's something gained for sure there's a huge thing that's gained by having the written word because we can see then the words of people that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago when we have a written documentation but there's also something lost which is the life of the story or the personality of the story and the evolution of the story so these stories were told for thousands of years about these different characters. There were heroic stories and there were fairy tales and they were stories with magic and, and so on. And it wasn't until the 1800s that Grimm Brothers, Afanasyev and probably other people in other countries started documenting and writing these oral tradition stories down and preserving them. I mean, there's that part that they're preserved, but they're also now, um, they've, They've, they're frozen in time. They're frozen in time to the time that they were written. And now everyone's like, that's the, you know, that's the story. No, people told stories all the time and, and changed them and embellished on them and so on. So it's, and, and I've been, um, I feel like I've been discovering this last year or so, just how much importance it's almost like just creating story is magic. It's taking something from the ether and it may not even be ours. Like we, it may be have our voice and our, and our unique perspective, but it's not like we're creating anything brand new, but we are, we are dissecting it through ourselves. And it's almost like a, sometimes it feels like a channeling of sorts. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I've had that experience with songwriting, writing, painting, where you look back at what you created and you're like, did I make that? Yeah. I didn't really make that. Did I make that? You're so mm -hmm. delighted with the product at the end. And you do feel like it comes to you in just this fully formed state, which the Greeks would say is your muse giving you the story. You know, your muse gave you the story is how they would describe it. Yeah. Interesting. And they always attributed the muse kind of, a, I mean, it, it feels like an attribution to the female. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The muses were, the muses were goddesses in mm -hmm. um, Greek mythology. So um, that's why, you know, and, but I don't think it has really has a gender, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like it does have a, I feel like it does have a, um, I feel like the muse for me, I don't think about, I don't think of it as a actual entity, but I do think it has female energy, you know, I, I, and I think maybe, maybe because it's maybe because we need to care for it and it's caring. There's something about that we need to take care of it and it will take care of us. I don't know if I'm getting too out there. The acid just kicked in. <laughs> or you're having a flashback. Boy, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, the drug 
the, you know, classes they would have in school and they'd say, you'll have acid flashbacks. I was like, Oh, I don't want that. And what if that happens when I'm driving down the freeway or something? I've never, I, I'm, I really suck at drugs. I didn't do, I've, I've done pot. And then I did cocaine like three times with a girlfriend in my last relationship. And the sexual performance of what happens after you have cocaine doesn't work. And I'm like, this drug sucks. <laughs> I would rather have sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Huh? Yeah. I always thought, you know, I did a lot of, I dabbled a lot before I ever got to the point where I had um, tried Coke. And I thought when I tried it, I go, this is just like having an espresso. It's not that big of a tea. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, And it just makes, <laughs> and you're just like, well, it's so we can drink more. And I'm like, it's 6 a.m. I want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know if I need to drink more. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it's such a crazy thing. How do you like especially in a book like this, how do you get into the spirit of the work? Do you have like certain rituals? Do you do you um or 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 have you been connected to Baba Yaga for so long that it kind of feels natural? Well, I think this book really it's so interesting because I'm a spiritualist and so I like I have an ancestor, I have ancestor altars in my home. I have, um, you know, I connect to spirits in the spirit world and I, and I, they're with me and I think about them all the time. They're very present with that. And that's very much. I, I, wait, can, can I ask you? Mm -hmm. So how, how do you mean that they're with you? Like, like, um, so oh. just like, think, of, think it, pretend it's someone like me. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't know? So, but, but, but also I'm not a skeptic in any way at no, all. So. No, I know you're very open. So, yeah. So, yeah. so what does it mean when, that they're with you? Um, it means that I think about them. I talk to them mentally. I'm not at, like talking to myself. I'm mo mostly talking to myself, telling myself, what was I just in this room for? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think about them. I honor them. I have little conversations sometimes with them. Um, and, and I have a focus on them. I would guess I could say what that means is I, um, I, I feel their presence very real to me. I don't see them, but I feel them. I sense them or I feel them. And whenever something happens, it's very sort of mundane. I'll tell you a little story. For example, my friend who is not a magical person. She's a writer, amazing writer. Um, she was over at my house and well, can we this, name this, drop her since she's an yes, amazing writer? Yes, yeah. Sarah Stanley. She's an amazing musician. She's okay. a playwright and she's just amazing and an actor. She does all these things. All so right. Sarah's not Sarah's like magic adjacent. She will say, Oh, can you give me a candle for a spell? But she's not focused on it, right? And so this is not her world. She's in the art world and creation world. So Sarah's at the house and she, and I, it's three days after Halloween. And I look on my, we're in the backyard sitting there having wine, glass of wine and getting to be dark. And I look over on my lawn and I see this witch hat. I go, Oh my God, there's a witch hat on the lawn. So I bring the witch hat, I go and get it. And it's like one of the little witch hats that they hang up. It's very thin material. And clearly it blew from someone's, um, you know, decorations and blew onto my lawn. Right. So I brought, I brought it into the backyard and we're sitting there and I said to the witch hat, I'm like, what do you think about that? And then the witch hat moved. Well, the wind moved it, but it moved in response to my question. So I started asking, I said, well, if you move, that means yes. And if you don't move, that means no. And so we started asking yes, no questions. And, and to me, it was very, it was delightful, but like delightful, like a little kitten came, a cat came into your yard. Fun, right? Mm -hmm. She was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. This is crazy. The hat is answering. And I'm like, well, it's like kind of my normal life. You know, I've done talking spirit boards, you know, Ouija boards and all kinds of things. And I just am very comfortable in that world. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, with like, like with Ouija boards, because I, I, 
And it's because I grew up with Jehovah's Witness and I I still got this in my DNA that I still can't leave. Like if I see a Ouija board, I can't even look at it. I'm like, I'm I'm getting, I'm learning about astrology and you gave me those tarot cards and I still use those tarot cards that you gave me. And so I still, but so I'm dabbling on that part. But when it comes to a Ouija board, I'm still like, oh dear Satan, don't, you know, screw me in the ass. And, but I know there's no (laughs) Satan. And then it's, it's just such a, so, so what, so like when you're on a Ouija board, or are you you're talking to the spirit realm yeah yeah so the the problem with the ouija board is this and i think this is like good advice for someone that's doing a ouija board when you're working with spirits there are hungry spirits troubled spirits trickster spirits there are those kinds of spirits but spirits are very easy to i would say in general control you simply have to state I only am inviting because you're inviting them into a space. I'm only inviting my, my well ancestors. I'm only inviting spirits of the highest vibration. I'm only inviting good spirits who are going to give clear messages and so on. So you can say something like that before you begin any spirit work and you're fine. I have never had an issue with weird messages, scary messages. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't know how to do that. So I would sit down the Ouija board and sometimes it would be super scary. Like you'd get a scary message and it's because it's like leaving your front door open and then some rando walks in, right? What do you do? You just don't leave your front door open, right? You wait. And then if someone knocks, you look through the people and you open it. If it's someone, you know, or you don't, or if you don't, or, you know, you have some gatekeeping that's going on with your work. So That's why I think when people sit down, they sometimes get weird, crazy messages. But I have had amazing experiences with a talking spirit board, um, working with them in and not a bad experience. Once I learned the secret of just setting a boundary, who are you inviting to the table? Who do you want to communicate with? And when you do that, that's, I mean, that's like traditional seance. You're asking for uncle George to come, right? You know, this is, you invite people to come and talk with you. So we had, I used to do talking spirit board with clients. I don't anymore. Cause I don't, have a, I don't really have a space for doing that. At a, you know, a little salon, but I used to have a little salon and I used to do that with people. Um, but in that because I'm so connected to all these spirits, I get nudges from spirits. So going back to the book, I feel like very strongly, like my grandmother, who was a healer, a, she was Catholic, but she was doing pagan magic because in Eastern Europe, you can do both. This is why my mom had no problem with me as a kid, having a Ouija board, even though we were super Catholic, she had no problem with me having a Ouija board, tarot cards, fortune telling decks, this, that, and the other, because from an Eastern European standpoint, those two can are fine together. So you got all the cool of Catholicism, which is all the grandeur architecture and, <laughs> and, and, and the, and the rituals. And then you got all the cool pagan stuff too. You, it's, it sounds like a wonderful place. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Catholicism has its issues when I was like old enough to go, Hey, why is it only guys up there being priests? Why is that? Yeah, Does yeah. The penis make you more holy? I don't know. So as I got older. <laughs> I with in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing where they're like, Why why do they they call them brothers and sisters? Why do the brothers get to do all of that? And I'm like, I never wanted to do that. They keep telling me to do this extra stuff. I don't want to do it. I, I wish I was a sister so I can just hang out. <laughs> <laughs> She, you know, no, there's like, probably sisters just, there that want to be leaders and want to move up into leadership and can't because there's yeah. discrimination. So, yeah. um, so as I got to be like a teenager, I'm like, no, this isn't really for me. And so, um, but as a young girl, I was very interested in magic. And, and your mom was cool with that. Your mom was, oh my cool gosh, with... my mom so cool with it. Yeah. But she was cool in the way, like you can be a Catholic witch. That's what her, like you can do magic and you can do this thing, but you still have to go to church because this is the way, but that's very Eastern European, like do both. But, you know, they have these incantations. So in my research, this is a crazy research heavy book with that I did. And in doing this, I had to go and learn how to read Cyrillic. I had to learn how to read Ukrainian, which I only know like the food words because that's the ones we used at home, you know, give me the kapusta or whatever, you know, we would say the food words, but that's it. And some like holiday words, you know, but um, 
when, when I did this research, I had to do so much work. And as I was like researching, you'd find these incantations. So the incantations would be like, I call in the sun, I call in the 77 sister stars. I call in a holy mother earth. Oh, and I also call in Jesus, Mary, and Jesus. It's like, it's like tacked on at the end just to make it okay to say this ancient pagan prayer incantation. So I just took all that, um, saint stuff off and it was like a perfect a perfect thing right so um oh so, so, you, so you took off the calling in jesus and mary and joseph of course i don't okay need to, i don't i mean i'm cool with jesus it's fine but he's not my deity i'm not i'm not from the middle east so he's and I, i'm not jewish so why is he my deity i'm not that's not my heritage mm-hmm. my my heritage is all the crazy wild uh you know Forest man, the Lisovuk, the Domovic, the little house spirit, and Baba Yaha, the 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 magical witch. These are my spirits of my heritage, which crazily enough, I'm going to share this crazy thing with you. So you asked me what my dad's side of the family is: Scots, Irish, English, right, mostly. And what is interesting: Scots and Irish are Celts. The Celts started in central and eastern europe and migrated over so when we look at some of the ancient pagan rituals and this oral tradition which the druids who were the priestly class of the celts was they had an oral tradition they didn't write down anything it was only outsiders that wrote down their religious practices but the practices are the same it's like got a different name over here, but they worship in oak groves over in, in Ukraine and they worship in oak groves in Ireland. There's this correspondence. So this is interesting connection between the two uh, areas. The area that my family is from at one time was called Galicia in English, Polichna in Ukrainian, right? Galicia means Gaul, G-A-U-L, Gaul. Gaul is a Celt. That's the area that they come from. So these two disparate sides of my family are not that distant. The practices are the same. It's very interesting. So what's interesting is, especially in those days, geographically, they can't kind of come together. You know, yeah, there was migration and stuff, but so far apart that the story would get lost. But the story didn't get lost. And that could be, be, be that could be because there is a spiritual realm above us that kind of keeps the stories um, the same and in unison. Yeah, maybe you know, I have found so many interesting things as I'm delving into this. So there's the thing is that there's not a lot of first of all, there's not a lot of books in English about Slavic, traditional Slavic magical practices and very little about Ukrainian magical practices because we have layers of people taking over that land and that culture and and the culture still existing, but we have Christianity coming in, Vikings coming in, Christianity coming in, um, Soviet Union coming in. I mean, all of these things to suppress and remove and erase culture. And yet you can still find stuff. You can still find it. So three years ago, four years ago, four years ago, um, I started getting this urge, you know, as I'm getting older of like, well, where are my role models? You know, there are not a lot of older female role models that I can look at, but I was started you know, Baba Yaga started really coming up for me because she's old crone, you know, she's wrinkly and old and pruny and all of that. And I said, but she's powerful. She's super powerful. Like she's unstoppable. I almost think of her kind of being like the, um, in the Kung Fu movies, the guy with the white beard Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the white mustache. And he's like the old guy, but he's the master. And then the young guy who thinks he's all hot and young and, and he comes and tries to kick his butt and he's like, uh-uh, and wipes the floor with him, right? Right. So, and he does it just by touching his eyebrow. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, but like a Kung Fu master, I've never really thought of this analogy before, this person I was thinking about, but the Kung Fu master will take, um, will initiate someone and say, okay, you have something that I think is good enough, so I'll train you right? That's how you get initiated into whatever your 
going to be an issue, whether it's a group of writers, whether it's um, you're going to be an artist, whether you're going to be anything, there's still initiation processes that are happening. They're not formal like they used to be in the olden days, but there are initiation processes happening. So to be initiated as an old witch, you've got to get initiated by an older witch, right? So um, Baba Yaga has so many characteristics that point to the, the concept and the idea that she's an initiator into the mysteries of the afterlife, into the mysteries of powerful magic, um, and into the mysteries of being a powerful crone, a powerful older woman and a powerful older witch. So she started coming up for me. And so then um, I said, okay, well, I need to write a book about you. So so I sent off my draft, you know, the proposal for, you know, in nonfiction books, you send off a proposal mm -hmm. first and then you write the book. So I sent off my proposal and they're like, yeah, great, let's go for it. So then as I was writing it, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to find information because up until that point, every other book I wrote, it was easy to find information. And so, well, you were already, I mean, when you cut, when you're working on tarot, when you're working on candle magic, this is, this is in your, this is in your, this is in the pocket. You're in the pocket on this stuff. Exactly. I've been doing yeah. those things for decades. So it was so easy. It was like writing it. And then I'm like, Oh, I need to add a little something. Let's see if I can research and find yeah. something interesting about this. And then I'd find something. So it wasn't a head. Those weren't heavily research books. They were my own experience and all of that just put onto paper. What a beautiful thing though, to not know how hard the work would be beforehand, because it may have scared you away. Oh, hell yeah. It would have scared me away. So yeah. I feel like there was this dual, these dual spirits, my grandmother who wanted me to tell her stories because I'd hear about her. She died before I was born, but my mother would tell me what she would do. And I was always kind of like looking to find more information about what she was doing. And I stumbled upon this book. There was this thing my mom said, she used to hold a bowl of water over a person's head and then she'd pour beeswax into the water. And then she would do this thing like she was, I don't know if she was healing or if she was fortune telling or what. So this is a vague little tidbit of information that my mom told always stuck with me. I'm like, was it fortune telling? What was she doing? I wanna find out more about that. And then I stumbled on this book, my friend, Katie Karpets, who has, um, a, she's Canadian, Ukrainian, Ukrainian, Canadian. And so she, she's a lot nicer than us. Yeah. She's a nicer <laughs> version. She like, did, yeah. 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 She's got the Eastern European, like, you know, bite, but you know, then she also says, Oh, sorry. Eh? <laughs> she's the best. She's super sweet. She is super sweet. So she, um, but she's also wild too. She's really, she's, uh, she's got, she's got on her knuckles. You know how people get tattoos on her knuckles, Yeah, their knuckles. She's got Baba Yaga on her no knuckles. Way. Is that like oh. the most genius thing in the world? Yeah. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that would have been a, your book cover is so amazing. I wouldn't change it for anything, but if there was a second um, idea for a book cover, <laughs> that would Katie be I'll get to put her knuckles Yeah. On just there. like gangster Baba Yaga. <laughs> exactly. So she, um, she had this book that was called, it's called The Word and the Wax, which is about this Ukrainian cleansing, healing divination system where you hold a bowl of water and you pour beeswax and then you do this full cleansing ritual and all this stuff. And I was like, holy crap, that book is, is what I needed to find to know that I could find information. So once I found that book, I thought, this will be a piece of cake. I'll start here and it'll be... Uh, uh, what, what? I have to learn to read Cyrillic. So it was like such a crazy, I mean, so many times it was during COVID. I was already anxious and stressed out. And I'm like sitting there going, why did I agree to do this? It was so hard, but it's like that Kung Fu master who says, I see potential in you, but if you're going to get to the point where you're going to be a Kung Fu master, you, I'm going to put you through your paces. But not because I want to punish you, not because I think you're, uh, you know, I want to laugh at you, but because I believe that you can do it. So the master believes more than the student that the student is capable. And this spirit was my master who said, you can do this. You can write this book. The result was the book came out as soon as Ukraine was in the news. I could not have foreseen that, even though I'm a fortune teller. I don't read world events, but I didn't have seen that. 
And yet I listened to my spirit. I did what I was supposed to do. I cried half the time, but I, but I did it. And it came out at the most perfect time when people are craving that connection to Ukraine, Ukrainian people of Ukrainian descent, of course, craving that connection. And the world is interested in Ukraine. Nobody knew where Ukraine was before this, you know? So, so, um, so the spirit was Baba Yaga or was the spirit, uh, your, um, someone of her descent? My, my grandmother was pushing me to do this book and okay. Baba Yaga was pushing me to do this book. And so. maybe, maybe they sensed the urgency because they, they can see the bubbling of events coming. Yeah. I mean, I think they, I think that, that to me was a confirmation of my spirits directing me when you have something like that happen. And that's happened more than once for me, like where a spirit has said, do this thing. I'm like, okay. And I do it. And then it's like perfect timing for the thing. How do you, how do you, how do you connect to these spirits who um, want you to, to uh, produce these things and want you to do well and also put you through the paces? What was one of the early times that this happened for you where the the where the the spirit the, the spirit was there and then it was like i think you look back and go oh wow that i'm glad i'm glad i didn't back away from the challenges that that spirit gave me yeah well i think there's this i think there's these what what i would call synchronicities which are circumstances or are coincidences that are um, meaningful coincidences. So you look at a coincidence, but it actually has a deeper meaning. This concept is a, a Carl Jung concept that he came up with this idea of synchronicities that they're not just a random thing, but they actually have meaning. Doing tarot is inviting a synchronicity because you're pulling a random card, but it has a meaning, right? So you can invite a synchronicity by doing something like tarot, but you know, like you're like the, the, me stumbling on that book that Katie had, why did I stumble on that book? She, I went to her shop and I was looking at what she had and I sort of would pop in there every once in a while, but it happened at a certain time. And why did I like go that day and find it, you know, or why did I even meet Katie in the first place? Because I met her at a conference that we went to and she's like, I'm Ukrainian Canadian. I'm like, I'm Ukrainian American. Oh my God. And then we became friends, but we just happened to be at the same place at the same time, which is a, but that I think is lines up. So when you look back at like these weird, you're in the right place at the right time thing that leads you to something, I think those are, you're being led. And as long as you are open and say yes to these things that you're being led to, then you can see the result. You don't always say yes to everything. So you'd never know if you, you know, if I didn't go to that conference and I never met her and I never wrote the book, I wouldn't know that that didn't exist, you know? So, but I'm glad it did. And so, was it, was yeah. it hard to hit, was it hard to hit the deadline? Did you have to extend the deadline because so of the many times? Did you? So many yeah. times. Yeah. Because in fact, I, if you know about book publishing, I don't know if it's the same for fiction and nonfiction or memoir and, and, and well, I know yeah, about but, journalism and there, and the answer to the extension is no, <laughs> when, when, when it's got to go to print in, uh, you know, Thursday's newspaper, it's like, no, like, maybe, maybe we can hold it six hours, but you better do your due diligence in six hours. <laughs> so with, um, it's like, they have this whole, I want to say like project management thing that happens. So they plan their catalog is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so they slot your book in the catalog. So you're either in the spring, summer or the fall, winter catalog or spring, summer, fall, winter. I don't know if, they, I think they have four catalogs a year. So you end up being in one. So I had, I think I moved my date three times. So the first time I'm like getting into the book and I saw how hard it was, I'm like, I need to go in the next catalog. So she put me in the next catalog. Then as the deadline was going, I just need a few more months. She's like, okay. What I can do is I can put you at the last book of that catalog, the last publishing date. But if you, if you can't do it, I need to know now. So I can put you in, I said, no, I can do it. So I moved it three times, but I was the last, I like, you know, like coming under the wire just to get yeah. into that catalog. And I did do it. But, um, I think at one point my editor, I love my editor, Alicia so much, she's the best, but she, I was like, okay, you have to do da, 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 da. And the publisher's like, don't make her do anymore. Don't make her meaning me. Don't make 
Pammy to do anymore. She's done so much. She doesn't need to do on that. Thank God for the, the CEO of the, of the publisher, because he was like saving me because she wanted me to do one more thing. Like it was insane. It was so insane. This book footnotes, not my favorite thing in all in the world. And what happened was I had to reconstruct footnotes. I had to go find my sources again. Oh my God. Oh, it was wow. the worst. So you it did was, have to go through it worst, the worst, the worst. Yeah. So um, when you're translating something from one language into another, you where do you even begin? But I found the things, I found the things. I, I had notes and I had to like, it was so messy though, it was so hard. So what ended up being kind of a mishmash in the beginning turned out to be, a, I think, a gorgeous, beautiful book because my editor was so, she gave me such strong notes. She's like, you need to bring your voice into this. You need to have Baba Yaga's voice, your voice, and the story. So the way the book is constructed, it's a fairy tale that, like we were talking about earlier, fairy tales that kind of take on their life and they and they evolve and, and change. So this basic skeleton of a fairy tale, um, I went in and then added like elements from other fairy tales where Baba Yaga. So I took a little bit from here, a little bit there, and then wove this tale. But the tale is is a is is like each episode is the beginning of the chapter. So it's one tale woven throughout the whole book. And then as you're going through the story, it's a story of a young girl being initiated as a witch. But you, the reader, are also being initiated as a witch as you go along through this book. If you, you know, do the things and you get involved with it, I mean, obviously you could just read it like a book, but it's got here, do this, try this, you know, here's how you do this and ways that you can make a spirit doll, uh, do em embroidery that has talismanic, you know, protection or work with, um, you know, work with fire, creating living fire from uh, rubbing sticks together and so on. So there's all this um, powerful, magical things that you can do if you choose to do them, or you could just read it and learn about it, you know? So, and then yeah. you also bring, at the beginning, you bring up the protection part of it where you, 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 you're carrying the reader is like, Hey, okay, now I'm going to guide you, but you got to know some stuff. Yeah. You know, here's kind of like, here's how you're going to protect yourself through the, not yeah, well, Baba, yourself, Baba Yaga's voice is coming through and saying, look, kid, I'm your, you know, I'm your master. I'm your coach. I'm your whatever. So here's what you need to expect. And you're going to have to, you know, get started here. And Slavic magic, you know, for obvious reasons, is very focused on protection. We've got people who were oppressed, people who were, you know, had devastating life situations. I mean, horrible things that you can't even believe. I mean, this is what's happening in Ukraine right now. So naturally, the first thing you're going to think about is just that foundational aspect of protection to spiritually protect yourself from evil that's out there yeah. so that's where it begins yeah why, why do you why do you why do you think there's evil spirits that actually give a crap about screwing with us oh i think it's i mean i think more than evil spirits it's like evil intentions when i say evil spirit i can mean i could say putin you know you know what I mean? It's right. evil people. It's people that are ill-meaning because they're either, you know, uh, psychologically unwell or, um, you know, or just a bad personality, you know, a person with a evil personality. And we meet people with evil personalities. We get, you know, there's plenty of politicians <laughs> with evil personalities. I mean, we can start there. Right. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, but I mean, outside of the realm of uh, people in human form. Well, I'm in in Slavic in Slavic traditions and in Ukrainian traditions, most spirits are ambiguous. They're neither mm. evil nor good. Okay. It depends on how you treat them. So if you are being, let's say, for example, we'll go with one. We'll just talk about one. The Lisovuk. The Lisovuk is the forest man. He's kind of a little bit like Sasquatch, or could be more like um, but his but it could have skin that's like bark, but he lives in the forest. He's a forest being. He's not a human, but he can also shapeshift. He can become little. He can become big like a giant. He can look like a human. He can shapeshift. All right. So we're dealing with a forest spirit. The whole forest is his home. 
It's not your home, it's his home. So if you go into the forest, you would first make an offering to the spirit, leave him some eggs, leave him a piece of bread, leave him a bowl of porridge before you go into the forest. The reason being, if you are hospitable and you make an offering to him, he will at least not bother you, um, but he might even protect you and he and protect you from getting lost or harmed or anything like that. And he might even give you some kind of boon. Maybe you'll have a really good mushroom picking day or you'll have a good hunting day if you go into the forest and you have supplicated or made an offering to this spirit. Now, if you go into the forest and you're breaking things and you're trashing things and you're yelling loudly and you're swearing in the forest, that's one of the things you can't swear in the forest, you can't whistle in the forest, you know, all these rules, right? But you're disrespecting some spirit's home. So if you go in and you're disregarding the spirit of the place, the spirit might get pissed off at you and mess with you. He could make a voice that sounds like your friend saying, hey, Tony, come over here. And he leads you off into some swamp somewhere. Or he can make you lose your way and you're going around and around in circles. And, you know, there's all kinds of stories of this Lisa book, right? So, which is kind I, of something we would, it's something that I would do myself if someone was un, inhospitable and messing with me and then asked me for direction somewhere. You know, exactly. I'd be like, well, let me think. Where, where have the last drive by five drive by shootings been? And that'd be a great corner for you to go to. And that's where Disneyland is. <laughs> Exactly. So, and then there's, I mean, then, you know, we, I think there are very few purely evil spirits and some Mm -hmm. of those have just gotten a bad rap, but I do think, I mean, just like there, do you believe that there's some purely evil people? Do you believe there's purely evil people? I don't know. I'm, I'm still grappling with that because I come from a Something that should, you know, what uh, when you look at the leaders of the Jehovah's Witnesses, they should be exuding evil, but at the same time, I, I, there, I, I think some of their hearts, they feel like they're in the right place, and some actually know what's going on. So it's something I grapple with because I don't think everyone's a hundred percent evil, but I, you know, and the other thing is, like from my point of view, yeah, they're evil, but everyone's the hero of their own story, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So they, yeah. so in the end, they're just like, look what I am doing. You know, it's just what like, what about Hitler? Was Hitler pure evil? He, you know, that's I, he's a bad artist. Feel sorry <laughs> for the guy, you know, if, if they oh, could have really? just let, no, I'm kidding. I don't feel sorry <laughs> for him, but if they could have just let him get, you know, just scoot him through art school and then, you know, but, but at the same time, was, was Hitler a vessel for something that was already brewing? I don't know. Was, was there, was there, was it, was he brought in for it? Just, you know, it's, it, these are, these are questions that I have even more questions about. Like, even if you look at Jesus, it's just like, was Jesus around? And, you know, he was just like masturbating. And then one day we're like, he's, you know, dude, stop masturbating. You're the Messiah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's and then why would they tell him to stop it's a normal human thing come on <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time you know it's, it's and this is what um you know it's what's weird about hitler and i i don't know that much about world war ii and hitler i just know it's just utter atrocity and pure awfulness but um he got elected and there was a huge group of people who thought he was doing right which yeah is just you know is that manipulation i i bet it is i think everything's manipulation in politics it's kind of gross but it's just like and i don't know and then are those people who elected him are they responsible for what he did how far does that go where you know it's there's 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 a lot you know it's 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 I want I would love to unpack the whole thing but I think that would just take too much and maybe drive me into a padded cell. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I think that there you know there are spirits that are evil. There are people that are evil. There are, but I don't see. I can understand what you're saying. Like when you say they're the hero of their own story, I think that good examples like MAGA people, right? Trump Mm -hmm. supporters. I don't 
I, I see some and I go, they're just out for themselves. Like that's just, they're just thinking about themselves and they're selfish people. But then I think maybe there are some people who are like, oh, I think, um, you know, being gay is wrong and we should pray the gay away. And I'm really thinking that I'm doing something good because I'm protecting this person from whatever, you know, I don't, See, that- I used to be that because growing up a Jehovah's Witness, you cannot be gay. And I used to believe 100% that the Jehovah's Witnesses were the truth. So I was committed to that faith. So I've been there. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's not, it, it's not, um, you know, cause like, even when people are like, oh yeah, Tony ex Jehovah's Witness, you know, he got out of it, but it's just like, I, I don't think they understand what it takes to break from that. And it takes a lot of work. And then a lot of like, oh my God, wait, that might not be true and questioning. And it's just like, it's years of intense work to go, oh my God, I was wrong. And I remember when, uh, cause my wife, my Jehovah's Witness wife was a makeup artist and she would, um, I would like when I was starting to really figure these things out and she was still a Jehovah's witness and I was kind of out, but wasn't fully out. And I would talk to like her friends at parties and stuff. And uh, they were gay friends. And I would be like, I used to think, I used to think you were going to die at Armageddon, man. And I just, I don't anymore. It's just, it's, I, I was just, it was like, I was coming out to them. I had to like give my total truth and go, I used to think it was, you know, it, I would bring them down my journey and we would have the, and every conversation I had like that was just absolute um, cathartic kind of for both of us. Cause I think, I think they saw what they were like, Oh my God, there's, there's people out there like you that are struggling to, you know, understand. And I'm just like, yeah, now I understand, man. And then, then she would go to work the next day and she'd be like, okay, Tony, what did you talk to Tim about? (laughs) She would get all mad because she's like, now I have to answer about why I'm a Jehovah's witness. And I'm like, well, isn't that interesting that you're scared that you have to answer that because maybe their, the beliefs aren't, you know, totally in line with what we're it's anyway. So, so I'm a person that's a product of you thinking that, and and thinking that you know that is the only way, and then coming to the other side and going, oh wow! So then I'm, I get very now I kind of stay in the I don't know, but I want to know, and I'm I, I, I'm still trying to define exactly what the transition is, but it take it it takes a decade, if not longer. So. It's so interesting. That's one of the things I find so fascinating about you is that you have like one foot in one, not that you're in one, but that you were in one and you have your one foot out. And so you really do bridge a gap. Whereas like me, I grew up Catholic, but I was never really that into it. And then I really wasn't that into it when I was a teenager and I was like, I'm out. So I think I mean, I, there's things I still love, like saints and things like that. You know, like I like. Oh, I just bought a book on the decoration. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I I love that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But, but I think, uh, like, there's stuff that I still like. Oh, I love that. Or there was little bits, and but it's all the stuff that they stole from the pagans anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like all that, you know, any all that, you know, pomp and circumstance, and they would do, you know, whatever. Um, So, but I think that's so interesting. That's one thing I find very. You're a very intriguing and interesting person, Tony, because you do have your foot in both worlds. Like you do understand both being, can I say it, being in a cult yeah. and being out of a cult. Yeah. And um, and I think really all organized religion is a cult because if they're trying to get you to behave a certain way or we're in and everybody else is wrong, then you're yeah. a cult. That's the def- and then there's a leader that's a cult right there. Yeah. So Catholicism yeah. is a cult. I'm telling y'all, it's all a cult. Oh yeah, yeah. Because if I you're agree. trying to get uh, mm. get people to join your, if you're out there proselytizing and trying to get people and you know evangelizing and getting people to join your cult, if that's a cult right there. Because if you're on a spiritual path, I don't listen. I will tell you something. I don't care if anyone else is a witch. I don't care if anybody else is pagan. I don't care if anybody else, 
They can do it or not do it. It's none of my business. Right. You're not going to banish them from your house and go, wait a second, no. you don't do rituals. Get out of here. Exactly. Right. I have my most, the vast majority of my friends don't have the same spiritual practice as me. And I do my own thing. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. No problem. But when someone else says, if you don't believe my way, you're wrong, bad, and you're going to be punished, and then says something that makes them afraid, I got a problem. We can swear, right? <laughs> I got a problem with that, right? I got a problem with that. That someone says, you have to believe this way. So I don't know. Maybe that's being an American. We're also independent. Right. Well, and that's the beauty of America, too, is that we get to do that. We get to We get to embrace... You know, yeah, I know it's, it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's something where, um, where it's just, you know, even like people from other countries are like, oh, you Americans are so idealistic, you know? And it's just like, well, we, it's kind of cool that we can, you know, just not do certain things. And that's true. But I feel um, like this is thing. The interesting thing is like, what's going on with like abortion rights being taken away. It's like, that is so unbelievably scary because it is based on a religious belief and somebody's religious belief is now being imposed on everyone, whether they believe it or they don't believe it. And that is problematic. That's problematic. We're yeah. now moving into, you know, the territory that Iran is trying to get out of right now, which is to have a religious rules imposed on you. And if you don't follow the rules, you're beaten up and killed. And are, and we're we're on the cusp of that. I mean, people are now passing laws where you can kill someone that even abort. It's okay to kill someone that didn't had an abortion. I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy stuff out there in these states. And so, it makes it sound like and and I gotta tell you, it's like Jehovah's Witness light, man. I've been through all that. <laughs> it's like if you had an abortion, you're dead. You're you are dead to the Jehovah's Witnesses. And as far as I was concerned, I was on that. And but you know we. We didn't vote. We were out of the political spectrum, but um, it's there was a um, but yeah, it's just like there wasn't even a thing called pro life. It's just like if you abort, you're dead to God. That's it. It's uh, oh yeah, and it's it's a heavy thing to lay on a human being. That's such a heavy thing to lay on a human being. Yeah, but yeah. That's what a cult does. Now right? I so. abort all the time. <laughs> I want, I want to, I wish I could get pregnant just so I could get an abortion. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I want to put a gun to like a three-year-old's head and go, nope, it didn't work <laughs> out, kid. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're going to get in trouble. Someone's going to take that out of context. <laughs> oh, there's so much they can take out of context. There's hundreds <laughs> of hours of taken out of context on this. Amita, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, we got in so many tangents, but that's what happens when you have drinks with Tony. You go on tangents, right? <laughs> and and we don't and we're and we're not even drinking. <laughs> I'm having coffee. I'm so. I'm having soda water. <laughs> don't you mind fever granting in your feet? Don't mind people granting in your face. Yeah, just bad. This in mind, a true friend is hard to find. Don't you mind people grinning in your face? You know your mother will talk about you. Your sisters and your brothers too. Yes, don't care how you're trying to live. They'll talk about you still. Yes, but bad who is in mind. A true friend is hard to find. Don't you mind people grinning in your feet? Don't mind people grinning in your feet. Don't mind people grinning in your feet. Oh, there's bad who is in mind. A true friend is hard to find. Don't you mind? And people grinning in your face. You know they'll jump you up and down. They'll carry you all around and around. Just as soon as your back are turned, they'll be trying to crush you down. Yes, but bow this in mind. A true friend is hard to find. Don't you mind people grinning 
in your feet. Don't mind people grinning in your feet. Don't mind people grinning in your feet. Oh Lord, just bow. Who isn't mine? A true friend is hard to find. Don't you mind people grinning? In Madam Pamita on Drinks with Tony, check out her new book, Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch of the Woods. Next week on the show, we have Jenna Maitland. She's the author of Will You Give Me a Reading? What You Need to Know to Read Tarot with Confidence. Hey, Tony, you're getting quite esoteric, dude. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.